The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights from the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And today's episode of Guys Guys Radio is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags on the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote, and you know how important it is to have the right bag or luggage when you're traveling, especially during the summer months when everybody's on the go. We're teaming with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10 or going to the link on our show notes. DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. And speaking of get going, it's time for Guys Guys Radio. We've got a great show for you today. We've got a special guest, award-winning author Michael Goddard. We're going to talk in two segments about two different books that have both won multiple awards. The first is called uh, New Now. It's his new book. It's your guide to mastering wisdom daily, achieving equilibrium, empowering your noble self. It's really about a lot of tools and practices to help you live your best life. He did a great job with this book, and uh, I'm very pleased that we've had him on the show. And as part of that conversation, I realized that, and looking into Michael's background, I realized he had another book that's won a ton of awards. It's called In Search of Lost Lives, Desire, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind and Soul. Best Book Award winner, American Book Fest, Indie Excellence Award winner, Body Mind Book Award winner. And it's about Michael somehow having the clarity to be able to recall 80 past lives. That's right, 80 past lives. So, of course, I was intrigued by this, and some of the lives are as human, and some of the lives are as animals, and some of the lives are on Earth, and some are on places that don't exist anymore, like the Atlantis and Lemuria, and also some of them are, take place in uh, other realms and other planets, and it's wild stuff. Let me give you a couple examples. A young Macedonian man, 616 to 594 BCE. A Slovakian rug merchant, 1723 to 1680. Serbian trapper, 2654 to 2612 BCE. South African apprentice, African cow, 1000 to 983 BCE. Wild. And Michael has recall of this. Now, you'll hear Michael and I kind of discuss how karma works and my understanding of reincarnation and his experiences. Because I can't argue with somebody else's experiences. I'll ask the questions that I want to ask that I think you want me to ask because I didn't realize that or I never thought that the spirit was punitive where, okay, you did a bad job in this life and now you're going to get punished. 
I don't really go for that. I don't think if God is love, why does God want to punish us and put us to the test? I do think that we're in kind of a school where we have to learn and work things out and then get to the next level. And I've talked to a lot of spiritual and metaphysical teachers, and I, I seem to hear that quite often, but I had not heard about somebody becoming, you know, you did a bad job and then you come back as a cow or something like that, and then you have to kind of work your way back up the food chain based on your behavior. Uh, it seems like tough going and scary because you're always thinking about, okay, is this the right decision or not? But I guess, you know, that's what life's about. You make choices and you got to live with the results of those choices. But this is what Michael says he experienced. So I brought him on the show because I wanted you to get a, listen to this and see what you think of what Michael has to say and what you think of the questions I ask for myself and on your behalf about Michael's experiences with these 80 past lives. It's wild stuff, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So why don't we get to it right now, my special interview with Michael Goddard on Guys, Guys Radio. It's Guys, Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, we're at the interview portion of our show. I've got a very special guest. His name is Michael Goddard. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's started searching for the truth about death and how to attain mortality when he's only 10 years old. We'll get into that. He's meditated for over two hours a day for many years, and after three decades, developed a sense of knowing and accessing his higher consciousness. 2013, he began, began recovering exact details about 88 of his past lives, Wow, that's pretty amazing. So let's welcome Michael Goddard to Guys Guys Radio right now. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate your great introduction. Well, you've done wonderful things. So let's start right at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, what inspired you to seek a spiritual path, and who were your teachers, if any? Yeah, well, you gave uh, some of the information. I, I grew up in Park Forest, uh, initially in Illinois, which was America's first perfectly and community, a sociologist playground, it was known as. Uh, and we moved to Marin County when I was 10. And basically that changed my life. Just out of the blue, I started um, trying to contact spirits, uh, doing automatic writing, doing hypnosis, self-hypnosis. And then uh, right after my 11th birthday, I actually encountered uh, death. I began to confront it. I was familiar with death because I'd raised tropical fish since I was five years old. And I realized that the most important thing for me this lifetime was to find the answer to life and death. And I would devote my life to that search. So at the age of 11, I let go of my parents' religion. Actually, they weren't very religious at all. And I began to search uh, for, I, I wanted to attain an existence of permanent bliss. That sounds really audacious, but I thought it was possible. And um, the reason why I started searching at such a young age, you can understand if you read In Search of Lost Lives, because actually I come into this lifetime all primed to search. I was searching very consciously my last three prior lives. And that becomes very clear in fact, you can see my whole progression of spiritual evolution as you go through those slides. So I um, was searching all through high school. I started one kind of meditation, uh, meditating two to five times a day when I was 19. 
then I had my uh, junior year abroad. I was going to Cal Berkeley and I came back from England and I, I found the path. I, I found a book about it. So I was initiated onto this new spiritual path when I was 21. It's the path of bhakti and Shabbat yoga. Bhakti is basically a Sanskrit word for devotion. And Shabbat is sort of the, the best kept uh, secret of the world. It's, it's been known by many names throughout time. It's also a word, it's the word of the Bible, it's logos. It is the creative power, the source. So in this initiation, I was, let's say, attuned to the Shabbat within me. We all have it. Uh, we can all hear it if we are concentrated enough and, and focused enough. And that's what I've been, I've been meditating at least two and a half hours a day uh, since then. And uh, it gives me great peace, bliss, and just, um, I, I cannot express how grateful I am that I am on this path now, this lifetime, knowing what I suffered in, in various past lives. Uh, okay. Because I'll just finish up because certain past lives, I really goofed up and didn't come back as a human. I came back as an animal. You mentioned oh. Shabbat. What, what exactly is that again? How do you spell that for our listeners? Yeah, Shabbat is spelled S-H-A-B-D, Shabbat. It's also typically called in English the sound current. Uh, it's basically actually sound and light. Uh, each human really has, in addition to your physical senses, we have spiritual senses of hearing and seeing. In Sanskrit, that's uh, nirat and surat. Nirat is the soul's power to see within in subtler states of being. And uh, surat is, is the sense for hearing, the spiritual sense. How did you learn how to meditate and do self-hypnosis? Well, self-hypnosis, uh, I started when I was 10 years old. And I, I just, you know, I, my mom was a very well-regarded artist. And we would go to galleries in San Francisco. And after a while, I asked if I could get away. And there was a metaphysical bookshop uh, just a few doors down. Uh, Sutter Street was filled with galleries at that time. So I just picked up a book and read it. Um, and it came very naturally to me. Um, and then I just knew meditation was the answer. When I read Edgar Cayce for the first time, Robert, when I was 12, when I the first time I came across the word reincarnation, it was like, wow, lights went off. I knew that it was true. I just accepted it as patently true. I, you know, everybody has their own path, their own timing. I got you. Yeah. I was curious as to, you know, and for our listeners, uh, how you were, because some people are self-taught. Some people have been, have it found it more easier than others to tap into the kind of universal energy. Now, you mentioned something about sound. Some of the things I've been reading and have learned through studying with some folks is that, you know, the whole universe is based on one sound, a chord, like a chord, you could be a, and then the word chord or a chord. And mm -hmm. it's a, it's a sound. And it could, the closest we can get to it would be, I guess, kind of ohm, but that we're all making our own sounds and it's all different. Everybody has an individual note within that. But overall, it's just all about this one overarching chord and sound. Is that true in your estimation? Well, yes, it's very true to an extent. I mean, if you think about a, uh, a string uh, starting like in the high Sierras and coming down through 
alters a different landscape. The sound of the stream differs at different places. It'll be very different if, it, if it's a waterfall, if there are a lot of huge boulders uh, it's passing through or just smooth pillows, uh, pebbles. So by the time it gets to the ocean, this river, it's had many sounds. So the sound emanates from the core of the, what you could call the supreme being. It's a, the nameless power, which you know a lot of people in the West may call God or other people call Allah. Uh, so it emanates, you know, that is like the creative power of creation. And as you go, uh, what another uh, thing that a lot of people don't realize is that within them, they can access higher spiritual regions that vibrate at higher frequencies. They're more subtle. They have less material composition, more mental, and more spiritual. And as you go through each region, the sound differs. And when, uh, I already knew this information, but when I was initiated, uh, we were told the main um, sights and lights and sounds of each of the major regions. Now, saints have divided the regions in many ways. You know, some have said, you know, there's everything above mind, which is all spirit or soul, and everything below mind. But most saints really differentiate between five, five inner regions. And the sound, the shabbat is different in each one. Let's talk about your uh, your book a little bit, because I don't want to lose out on that. Sure. It's called The New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom, Daily Achieving Equilibrium, and Empowering Your Nobler, Nobler Self, my special guest, Michael Goddard. Tell us a little bit about this book. I went through it, and it was there's a lot of different tools about working with your intuition and daily practices and really uh, a lot of different protocols and modalities to living your best life aggregated together and set down in a very easy to uh, digest path. What was your goal in writing the book? Tell us a little bit about the, the book. Yeah, well, thank you, Robert. You recapped it very well. Well, I was writing a lot of articles and uh, interviews, Q&As for In Search of Lost Lives, and I was really missing writing something new. So I just started taking notes. It, it all basically came from my intuition. And when I got the working title and the working subtitle, I just thought, no, there's no way I can write it. It's too audacious and too daunting. But uh, I took a trip to Florida and took a look at a few of my notes to see if there was a book there. And yes, there was. So I started to write that. And uh, after I decided, uh, or it became known to me that there was a book and I was meant to write it, I was having dinner in a vegetarian restaurant. And there was this really sweet couple across from me taking pictures every second of what they were doing and posting it on social media. Sure. And, and they were like 20 years old and it just hit me. You know, if, if, these, were my, if these were my twin uh, son and daughter, this is the book I would wanna leave them if I were dying of cancer in my forties. Um, so I, basically this is uh, the manual for learning how to live the best life you can, you can live. It's making best use of your life. So many people take life for granted. And this basically covers all the bases and helps you navigate from moment to moment, day to day, year to year, throughout your lifetime. Got it. So you have all the tools you'll, you'll need to go further and progress on your spiritual path, whatever it is. Okay, let's get into a couple of those uh, those tips because I think that's great stuff for our, our listeners. So one, you talk about uh, journaling. 
And um, I've been taught in my own spiritual enfoldment classes, like write it down, write it down, write it down. And I even keep a notebook next to my bed. And when I have a prolific dream, if I stay in place after I wake up and then, you know, revisit it and then get, grab my pad and write it down, I might have five, what seems like I'm writing in the dark five pages of gobbledygook, but then I know that by writing it down, it's changed the experience and I also get something more out of it. And I've, all, I've felt that writing things down just takes uh, your intentions and if you're asking questions of your higher self, whatever, it takes things to the next level in terms of being effective. Tell us a little bit about the importance of journaling and what you've gotten out of it. Right. Well, what I describe in the first chapter is what I call the journey journal, although readers can call it anything they want. And it can be downloaded from my website, Goddard.com, which is spelled G-O-D for God and D-A-R-T, T for Tom, or Dart, Goddard.com. And in the book, I describe how to use it. So basically the idea is, I mean, how many practical and inspiring books that we read, and maybe we remember one or two or three things, and after two weeks, they're gone. So this is the whole means for capturing your experience and furthering it. You can use it any way you, you want. And um, it, it's actually a Word document that you can download. So if you make entries and date them, you can go back and see what you were feeling, what you were thinking, what your goals were, what your intentions were. It's a way of not being totally distracted by all the myriad distractions during the day. So you can focus on discovering your best life here and now. Intuition. A lot of people, they they want things and they meditate and they, uh, they have trouble, I think, uh, one, uh, receiving because they get blocked. And then two, there's a difference between receiving and allowing. And they, I think sometimes some of them get to that first level, but they, they, they may not get to that allowing. And part of that is with your intuition. A lot of people, they'll ask a question and they think it's just themselves talking to themselves because they're, I find that the spirit or the universe, when they're giving you an uplifting message, it's not BS. It's not yourself, you know, goofing on yourself that's really coming through. And after a while, if you just let that happen, then it becomes more and more helpful and the answers are come faster and are more clear once you get your mind out of the way and stop doubting yourself. That's how I find that uh, a helpful tip to dialing up my intuition. Tell us about intuition from your expertise, Michael. Yeah, well, that was very helpful, Robert. And intuition is discussed throughout the book. And it's right. what I call one of the five sources of wisdom. And in that chapter, I differentiate between uh, four types of wisdom. And intuition, I mean, often uh, it comes unbidden. You know, something you, you really need to pay attention to and grasp onto and feel it and know what it says. But it's also something you can develop. And I started to develop my intuition in addition to meditation. Um, starting in my 20s, and then I focused on it a lot more in my 40s. And then um, in, my, in my 60s, actually, I was forced to intuit constantly because um, I almost died. My intestine literally died and I had a third of it removed. And uh, it was almost, I, I had to resist from turning this book into a book on how to develop your intuition. But there are many sources out there. And that is basically our higher knowing. 
Uh, in the book, I write about higher mind, <clears throat> better mind, nobler mind. And, and basically, I write about our, our three minds. There's our higher mind, what I call our habitual mind, and our lower mind. And what the book is aiming for is developing your higher mind so you can grasp intuition when it comes. You can accept it, uh, inspiration when it comes unbidden. And also so you can develop your intuition and not be hijacked by all the different demands, mental and otherwise. Let me ask you about grooming. On page 27 of your book, you talk about the wisdom of grooming. You get into uh, 33 different wisdoms. So of course we don't have time to get into all of them, but I thought this was one was important. So you say you have basically four choices. Pursue your worldly desires and goals without regard to your coming fates. Two, decide what you wish to achieve for the remainder of this life, but also the next and work toward that end. Three, decide you wish to do everything in your power so that after you die, you're rewarded with a stay in heaven. Or four, decide you wish to leave physical existence for good to transcend all suffering and realize increasingly in spiritual states of soul liberation, bliss, knowing, and supreme love. Are you saying that you get rewarded with heaven? Is there judgment then when you pass through or uh, trans transition? Well, well, first of all, I'm really glad you pointed, uh, you read that because that is definitely one of the key parts of the book, mm -hmm. you know, one of the loving wisdoms. Well, basically, I mean, I, I hate to use this word, but I will. Um, basically, everything is karma. Um, we have karmic debts, uh, good ones and bad ones that we've developed from prior lives. So some individuals, minds and souls, are rewarded with a stay in heaven for selfless service, for instance, uh, and they can stay there for a seeming eternity. I mean, the level of existence and bliss and joy, you know, it's like a million times, depending on the, the heaven, better than, than what we experience here. So it is possible to attain that if that's really your own desire, but it's tricky uh, to, to, to get to that place. But the downside, I'll tell you the downside of being in a heaven, and by the way, just being in an inner region, you're going to think you're in heaven. But I, I from what I, I know and research, there are what I call bespoke heavens, individual heavens. Uh, the downside is that you are there for a seeming eternity. So you make the most spiritual progress. You, you have that potential when you're on earth in the physical. Uh, I write about three planets I incarnated on. This is my third. And it is by far the most challenging and difficult. So this is the place to make great spiritual progress now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's fascinating. So a lot of people, and I, I interview so many people in this area, they say, you know, God is a state of being and heaven is a state of being. So you, you have to ask for the answers. They're all within. So within, of course, you're connected to the universe. It's like you're a drop in the ocean, but you're the ocean also. And if that's the case, then judgment um, doesn't come into play. And I asked about judgment for a specific reason, because some people think, oh, if I do this, I'm good, then I'm going to get rewarded. But if I do this, I'm bad, I'm going to go to hell or whatever. And then a lot of people who, who are, who are you know, spiritual messengers, if you will, have said to me, no, if God is loving, including like Neil Donald Walsh, there's, there's no judgment. It, it just is what it is. And you'll, you'll still continue on your journey through realization. Well, how do you see it, Michael? Well, I mean, the, the ultimate God... Uh, whatever you want to call that power, it does not judge. But every action has a reaction. Okay. If you kill 20 people, 
you're going to have to suffer to that degree. I mean, if you basically eat 5,000 chickens, all of those chickens suffered because of that, you know, eating them. So you may not have to come back 5,000 times to reap that reward, but eventually you'll under, have to undergo that kind of suffering. So it's not so much that there's judgment, but it's cause and effect. Basically, I, 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 hope, I hope that, that helps. Oh, well, let me, let me follow up on that. Let's say, okay, if you're, and I'm not trying to put you on a defensive, I'm just curious. No. And I think I'm trying sure. to ask the questions that uh, listeners would ask. And that is, okay, so you're a kid and your mother feeds you a hamburger. You're not seeing a cow, you're just eating the hamburger. So does that keep you protected from having a karmic debt about eating an animal? Yeah, as far as I, well, there, there are different levels and there are levels of consciousness. Now, if you're a child being fed a hamburger, um, you know, that would be much more minor as opposed to knowing really about life and existence and the higher form of consciousness that is killed, kind of the, the, the more suffering that's created and that would be paid off. Okay. So for me to go and eat a hamburger now would be completely different. From based on what you, based on what you know now. Okay. Yeah, based on what I know. And, and I, you, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and just you know, I know a few uh, friends who stopped being a vegetarian, and sort of like immediately, really heavy stuff happened. Uh, mm -hmm. And it may be because they had a teacher who was trying to get their attention. Uh, right. But but yeah, but everything's relative and, and rated according to yeah. consciousness. Sure. Okay. I mean, a way, a way I see it is where you are, you know, at some point, if you're ascending at a certain point, you're going to drop meat and fish from your diet, but it's not a judgmental thing. It's like, as you move along, you know, you'll, it'll drop off at the, at the time it's supposed to drop off based on your kind of learning curve or your path, if you will. Last question for you, Michael. Um, um, with that in mind, can people, you talk about karmic and karmic debt, can people shift timelines and release karmic debt? You mean actually um, release you know, release karmic debt and all co life contracts that they made previously to coming into this life? Well, what I can say for sure is that you can dissolve karma or liquidate it by immersing yourself in the sound current in the shabbat. That that is a, either you you pay off karma by going through what you were meant to go through uh, in your destiny karma or by doing a meditation on the sound current, through that means you, uh, your karma debts can be dissolved. All right, Michael Goddard, the book is a new now. We've got a lot more to talk about, so I'm gonna invite you back to talk about your book about past lives, which is called? In Search of Lost Lives. In Search of Lost Lives, thank you. I'm just scrolling in my, <laughs> the book title is up uh, above sure. the fold, if you will. But I want to have you back. We'll talk about that and much more. So, Michael Goddard, where can people find your book, A New Now, and learn more about you, real quick? Sure. They can uh, learn and discover much more on my website, goddard.com, spelled G O D for God, and Dart, D A R T.com. Uh, my book page is More Bliss on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter at Michael Goddard, and LinkedIn as Michael Goddard. Okay, fantastic job. Thank you, Michael. The book is terrific. It's really, this lays out a really great life plan and a lot of different practices that people can pick up on um, individually or collectively. Nice work. Thanks for being on Guys Guys oh, Radio. Thank you so much. I, I loved uh, discussing with you. Thank you.
It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, we've got a very special guest return, guest Michael Goddard. He is a well-known author. The book we're going to talk about today is called In Search of Lost Lives, winner of the American Book Fest, Best Book Award, Living Now Book Award, Body, Mind, Spirit Book Award, National Indian Excellence Award. And uh, he's been on our show before. We talked about his newest book called A New Now, Your Guide to Mastering Wisdom Daily, Achieving Equilibrium and Empowering Your Nobler Self, A Guide to Awakening and Empowering Your Higher Consciousness so you can live your very best life. And Michael's here to help. And he's gone through some very painful and very interesting past lives in his journey that he's going to share with us. And he shares in his book, and it's really fascinating stuff. So I want to have him back. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, Michael Goddard. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. It's, it's so good to be back with you, Robert. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's start at the beginning. So what triggered your re- recollection of your past lives? Well, the actual trigger was that I was uh, observing the anniversary of my initiation onto my current path of, of meditation and spirituality. And I was just had this burning curiosity of whether I had met a, a master, a saint in a prior life, because I had been searching consciously since I had turned 11. And I had done a lot of intuitive work before that, in, in addition to meditating daily for at least two and a half hours since I was initiated at the age of 21. So I, I, one of the things I do, I mean, I have a lot of intuition that comes through, but I'm also able to do what I call intuitive assessing, where I can ask questions and get answers. And, and that opens up where I just have automatic knowing, a direct perception of all kinds of details. Okay. So I, I asked whether I had and who I had known, and it came through loud and clear. I had met the saint in India two lives ago when I was part of the British Raj working as a British banker. And I had traveled to Agra ostensibly to see the Taj Mahal and the Agra Fort. But before that, the, the, the ball was set in motion. How did they keep coming, the past lives, the recollections? And you're writing them down because you've got over 70 in this book here. How long did it take to get these? Did you get them through meditation? You met this teacher guide two lives ago. What, what happened from there to get to where we are right now, covering this book that I'm holding in my hands right here? Yes. Well, initially, I, I, I just always had the desire since I was initiated to know what my last four lives were. So I very quickly got the last four lives, and they explained so much of who I was. And then I had also other curiosities of why had I started started to design houses and draw elevations when I was seven. Why did I start acting when I was seven years old this lifetime and started writing and directing and acting in plays when I was eight. And that quickly came back uh, related to my third past life in my four, four lives ago. But then all of a sudden I was getting seven lives back. I got a fifth life back. So initially it was all my curiosities to explain who I am today. And so it just kept growing. Initially, Robert, I thought I'd have 20 double space pages in my journal that I could share with a few close friends. But after a couple months, I realized I could know whatever I wanted to about my past lives. And if there was something I couldn't know, I would know that. So I could know what I could know and I could know what I what I could not access. Do you are you still doing this now? Are you discovering more and more past lives? Um 
I mean, I don't have any impetus to because this whole story of my journey through creation is in search of lost lives. But occasionally, um, I might be curious about a person, uh, how I knew them in a past life. Typically, I'll know. I mean, it's, uh, it's very easy to know, like if I meet somebody and we had had sex in a prior life, I like usually know immediately. Like, <laughs> that can be embarrassing, actually. <laughs> That's hilarious. What is the purpose of uh, people looking into and seeking their past lives? Is it to get more of a recognition of uh, know their truth, kind of who they are, what they're all about, and where they are along the, the journey to realization, if you will? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because there are several reasons. First of all, as, as I was explaining, it, it can really clarify and illuminate who you are today, rather than going back and finding out who your great aunt was and what her hobbies were, it can explain all your idiosyncrasies and special characteristics. Also, if you were able to recover any number of past lives, you can begin to get a window into your journey through existence. Because we are here to realize love, to, re to realize our spiritual evolution. And also, it, it creates a great deal of compassion and awe. Uh, and it, it really explains the creation what existence is all about. Is everybody experienced the past lives and, and the same amount that you have, you discovered like over 4,100 and you wrote about about 75 plus. Does everybody have that many who's around now or, or has experienced that many different lives and that many different incarnations? In your opinion, as different human humans on different planets, uh, animals, etc., or are there new souls coming in? How does it all work? Well, you know, I, I can't speak specifically about other people because I only recovered my journey, but I, I'm glad you asked that. I mean, there, there may be people here who are very uh, violent and aggressive, and they this may be one of their earlier lives as a human. They may have been um, flesh-eating cat, big cats in the past life. I recovered 71 human lives and 17 animal lives, and the animal lives are actually typically lives when I created such hurtful actions that I lost the opportunity of coming back as a human. Now, I recovered lives on two other planets. Earth by far is the hardest. So if you're looking at people who are, you might feel are spiritually evolved, this may be their second or third planet because they may have had an easier time on an earlier planet. But I recovered 4,137. I, I know that I have lived that many lives. Okay. Um, All right. Let me, let me ask you this, Michael, because I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who uh, have uh, studied past lives. I'm, as a hypnotist, I have done that for myself and others. I've explored uh, others' past lives. And um, my understanding has been that, you know, humans have been humans and humans are humans and humans. And uh, your take on it is that, well, you could have been a big flesh-eating animal. So my question is, is, is this just your particular perspective or has every human had incarnations where they were animals, in your opinion, based on your experience? Yeah, and based on teachings of what I consider fully realized human beings who have merged their consciousness and the highest consciousness, most people have been every single form of creation. I actually started out as a bush on my first planet, my first physical incarnation was as a plant form. So I've had millions of lives as insects, birds, uh, salamanders, you name it. Uh, 
So most people have had non-human lives, but everything is possible in, in existence. Some person may have been living basically as a higher being in a higher realm, and this is their first life as a human being. So I don't want to rule out anything. I mean, this is why I encourage anyone to look into their adventure. Okay. But when you die and go to a higher place within, you can get a lot, lot more information. Let's talk about uh, the highest power a little bit with along those same lines, Michael, because I think uh, folks out there listening would have some of these questions. And that is, you know, if God is all love, you, you describe a being that's kind of a lower being below God called Noel. And um, he's kind of like a, the devil, if you will, kind of an accountant though, who keeps track of your karmic debt. So, you know, you're good, you do something good, you get a check mark. You do something bad, you get a check mark. And obviously everybody's got a lot more bad check marks. And so you have to keep coming back here until you can finally, ultimately, pass the bad marks with the, with the good marks. That seems to me, just riffing here, to fly in the face of, you know, a God, you know, my understanding of God uh, through my own spiritual involvement journey is that God is not judging. God is experiencing itself through us, but doesn't say, you know, right, wrong, whatever. We have to learn our lessons. We have to have our journey. But it seems like when you have this, uh, and I want you to talk about Noel a little bit, this kind of debt, debt uh, accountant, debt collector, it seems like life is very harsh where it's like every, of course, every single thing counts, but it seems like you're being judged and it's like, okay, you're bad or like that was good and this is bad and that was good. And a lot of people just don't know. It's the same thing with eating meat, if you will. You know, if you were a big flesh eating cat, I mean, is that your fault? That's what big flesh eating cats do. They eat flesh. And a lot of people grow up and they don't, you know, they're out in the woods and they, they eat animals because that's what they know. So how does, how did you kind of come to terms with all that? I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm just saying these are things that obviously you, people would think about. And I've thought about it. And I think some of our listeners would also. So how do you, what's your take on all of that? Yeah, we well, raised a lot of really good points. And first of all, the ultimate consciousness is all loving uh, and, and, and beyond language, beyond mind. And, and that uh, creative power is experiencing itself through, through all of us all of the time. But the uh, force or the entity you mentioned, the name is actually Call, which stands for Call. Death. Call. Yeah. And one of my sections writing about him is I call him the constant accountant. Mm -hmm. And every action, it's just really kind of science, every action creates a reaction. So, I mean, we are the one like being on, on the planet with discrimination. I mean, if, if you come in as a flesh eating cat, uh, you're 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 not going to be thinking about, you know, is this right to, to do this? You're you're going to be operating on on instinct. But we have that discrimination, and everything is taken into account. I mean, the reaction from somebody who is more spiritually evolved, who who knows that every creature has an element of soul, uh, is a spark or a drop of the ultimate ocean of being. For them to start uh, eating meat is really different from someone who grows up in a culture, let's say in Alaska, where that's about the only thing you can, you can eat. So basically it's hard to realize that there's really perfect justice and fairness in the world. But we are living you know, with, with the mind. Basically who we are is not the mind, we are the soul. And there's a lot of, there's so much out there about the soul. We could have a whole 
separate program about the mind and the soul. And in A New Now, I talk about your higher mind and your lower mind, and I, I really clarify that for people. So I, I don't want people to, you know, to uptight or, or think at all that I'm being judgmental. Call is really operating uh, under the grace of the Supreme Lord. Nobody can go back and merge back until all their debts are paid off. So most people are going to want to continue coming back and having all kinds of lives, all kinds of experience. But the tales, now this is, I think, quite fascinating, but what comes down through a whole different line of saints who didn't even know each other is that God wanted to kind of re-experience the creation. So he asked a huge, huge, infinite number of souls to go down. And those who resisted, who didn't want to come go down and take on a mind, take on a body, they basically were marked to go back. And that's why saints and masters come with a certain number of souls to initiate. For instance, Jesus had 12 disciples. When he left the world, uh, you know, you could follow his teachings as best you can, but you don't have that person-to-person -person contact with a living master. Okay, uh, my special guest, Michael Goddard, we're talking about his book, his amazing book, In Search of Lost Lives, and about his path and journey uh, towards salvation from, uh, uh, from past lives, different journeys and different in incarnation. So tell us about a couple of uh, significant lives here on earth. And then also, if you could talk about your, your lives off planet, if you will, because you mentioned that uh, the reason I ask is you mentioned that earth is the toughest place. Yes. Well, I, I recalled, uh, I focused on what I call notable lives. You know, think of, think of, think of each life as if you're in a movie with a script and you, you may have a prominent role. Well, well, I recovered uh, lives on two planets, Vizine and Jorlu. Uh, those are the closest approximations in English. And the first off-planet life I recovered was that I was just reading a, a sacred text, and all of a sudden this life came through where I was a ruler of a good-sized country, and I had started a war, an unnecessary war that led to the death of over... 260,000 men, women, and children. So that created a lot of karmic debt, all that death. Uh, that was a notable life. So who did you and, come back with after that? From that life, what was your next life? Uh, that I don't have on, on the tip of my mind, but I do okay. want to say, rather than coming back as an animal, I, I went into a state of reformation. That's what I call, as a neutral term for hell, for a seeming eternity to basically uh, have, you know, be, be crushed and, and suffer and learn to respect uh, the sanctity of human life. Now, the majority of lives on Jorlu were mainly, I was mainly a woman and my spiritual evolution began when I was a mother of six and I was basically a stay-at-home mom. But I'm very grateful for all those lives as women because that built a certain foundation for me. Because most of, almost all my lives on earth have been as men. Uh, the idea of giving birth is really terrifying to me. But that's what I did a lot on this planet. But it developed empathy and sympathy and all those good feminine qualities that I was able to bring with me. 
Um, Let's go back to something you just mentioned where you went to these, uh, uh, not more than once, you went to a hellish type of environment and you would talk about being crushed to death for what seemed like eternity until you kind of got it right and then you could come back. And it seems very, it feels very punitive. What's the purpose is, uh, you know, of of being that type of punishment? A lot of people are just ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. They're making mistakes. And I know you mentioned that uh, it's all kind of relative and it's factored in, but Okay, if you made some mistakes, and it, I, I, I have, I think, learned in my own knowing over the years that God's really not into punishing people. It's not really about that. If God is love, if everything is love, how could punishment of excruciating pain be part of that process of evolution, well, of your ascension? Well, it's just that the creation operates under different roles. And in the ultimate, I mean, God is, is loving. We each have that spark of love within us, but, but we are here to uh, initially exercise our free will. I mean, there are many people who end up in a heaven for a seeming eternity, people who do selfless good works, who suffer terrible privation. We're really in a dream state here, and we're here to try to wake up as best as we can. And that's why, you know, if people ask me what you want people to do, I would love people not to do anything specifically except take responsibility for your spiritual evolution, because this is a God-given opportunity to be in a human life. Don't waste it. I mean, it's really, really tough being here. Everybody is suffering in one way or another. We're suffering because we're really separated from the higher force uh, that you can go back to. That is our true home. And then all the suffering really you, you, it won't, won't matter a bit. Very interesting stuff. Michael Goddard, the name of the book is In Search of Lost Lives. Last question, what are you getting out of this life? Well, I'm getting liberation. I really don't expect to come back. And you come back because of your attachment. So I, I stop myself often and I'm just so grateful for the grace that I, I found the path I'm on and I'm meditating and I, I, I'm, I'm not coming back. Now, if someone is meant to come back, they're not going to experience that. Um, people have different journeys and we shouldn't judge, but you know, it just, you know, I wanna ask people to be as kind and generous and giving as you can be and never judge because you don't know the full story. We are, we are reading a script with apologies the fact is, we don't know it's a script. All you can do is do your best and leave the rest and, and give love as, as however you can. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It's just fascinating. Your journey's been fascinating. It's like it really, it really brings forth a lot of different questions about how we live, what we've done in the past, now in the future. Um, one more. Let's throw in a little bonus question here. How, how do you process this if if time is not a continuum as we you know the linear time and everything's happening at the same time i would think that if you send divine god's white light to your higher self that would be impacting all of your past present and future lifetimes and therefore it would have a ripple effect to tap into all the other universal consciousness beings and universal consciousness itself that is out there and you could contribute by kind of lighting everything up that way. What do you think of that? Well, well, I think that would be a good thing to, to do. But right now, we're, we are bound by time. 
I mean, there are people, you know, you can say everything's happening simultaneously, but there are levels of reality, brother. I mean, uh, you, you can, someone can say, well, World War I is happening the same as World War II. Well, I would ask them to prove it. You know, you have to go to a certain level. When you leave mind behind and you exist purely as soul, you are beyond time. So there is no time. But right now we are in the physical realm bound by time. Got it. Fascinating stuff. Michael, great work. You're on a uh, very unique mission. I applaud you for everything you're bringing forth and hope you are protected along the way and you have your very best life this one right now and you're doing all this great work. So tell everybody out there how they can find out more about you and get your books, uh, et cetera. Right, well, I invite everyone to discover more at my website, goddard.com. Let me spell that as G-O-D for God and D-A-R-T for dart. Think of a love dart, if you will, coming from God. So go to goddard.com. There's a lot in free media. There are all kinds of interviews. Um, all kinds of interviews about uh, In Search of Lost Lives. There's plenty of excerpts. If you buy your books at Amazon, you can click through right to the book page. You can get really order the books anywhere you, you want. And I'm on Facebook. The book page is More Bliss, which is the sequel to uh, my second book, Bliss. Uh, if you have a burning, burning question, you can email me. Uh, and that email is on the website. Fantastic. Well, really interesting stuff. Keep going, Michael, and uh, I feel you from reading the book, all those different lives and some of the pain you went through and some of those incarnations, just absolutely amazing. So thank you for sharing with us and coming back to Guys Guys Radio. We'll have you, we'll have you come back again. We'll do another dive on this one, okay? Oh, yeah, I, I love being uh, on your show, Robert, and we could go on for hours. Please. I know. Well, let's break it up. We'll do it again, but let's, uh, let's yeah. close it now, and then we'll, uh, we'll rock on, all right? Okay. All, all right. The- Thank you, Michael. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, as you heard, two provocative interviews with my special guest, Michael Goddard. We talked about his two award-winning books, uh, New Now and In Search of Lost Lives. And as I mentioned uh, before we had Michael uh, come on, that a new now is really uh, provides paths to leading your best life and learning to know yourself and being able to know your mind and find equilibrium and realize that you're a spiritual being on a soul journey with a mind and how to really deal with others respectfully, how to get the best out of life and uh, how to tap into the different sources of, of wisdom. And I think Michael did a terrific job with this book, and I, I recommend it. His other book, In Search of Lost Lives, which I was very curious about because, again, he goes into aspects of 80 past lives that he can recall based on some of his life experiences he went through that triggered this. And again, as you heard, we kind of got into it a little bit because I, I didn't, I've never thought about karma being something where you live this life and then you're punished for it. I, I, was, I, didn't, I never think of God or spirit as punitive. I always think about it as learning. But according to Michael, and it's his experience, it's not mine, that he, he was a bad guy in, or a bad lady in some lives, and he came back as a cow, and then he came back as a human again in other lives. And it's a very interesting path and many, many lives that he's recalled. And I, I, I've been through past life regressions. 
for about, I don't know, about six or seven of them. And what I found was that I was pretty much the same guy. And I was a man in most of them, not all of them, but I was pretty much who, who I am. And in Michael's case, he lived in a lot of different areas. He went through a lot of different experiences, but he came back at times, sometimes as an, as an animal. So I found that very interesting. So you know what? We have to determine on our own what we make of that. Is this something that resonates with us? And then we make our own decisions, but that's what we do on Guys Guys Radio. I bring people on who have new information, new perspectives. They back it up, and then we make our own determinations. That's how we roll here. And I'm here for you bringing more and more guests that are going to challenge me and challenge you. And I'm going to ask the questions that I think you want me to ask and do my very best job. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio here in Southern California, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The show replays every Sunday on KCAA at 6 PM Pacific time. The podcast and my YouTube drop every Thursday worldwide. You can catch the YouTube. It's called Guys Guys TV. But you use my name, Robert Manny, and you'll find it. And the podcast is on over 25 different global platforms. So really, there's no excuse not to find Guys Guys Radio or Guys Guys TV. And all I ask is that, hey, if you could subscribe to the radio, to the pod, or subscribe to the YouTube, it really makes a difference. And it helps me kind of build my credibility and get the best guests out there to help you live your best lives. And we'll get that information that is of interest to you and may help you. So if you can help me out, I'll do my best to help you out. And all I ask is that you subscribe and uh, support the show. And uh, that's it. You can also catch me on my website, robertmanni.com. There you can find over 300 blog posts, all free content about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, as well as you can download three free chapters from my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which has been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. It's a a rom-com. It's a romp. It's fast and frothy, and it's about something. You can check out all the interviews on Amazon, and people really seem to resonate with the book both women and men, so I hope you'll check that out. And you can get three free chapters. So if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you move on. But it's there for you. So I'm also on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that, so you can catch me there. And I love to interact with everybody out there and get your perspectives and uh, and to learn from everybody and to share what I can share, uh, positive stuff to help us all live our best lives. So that's what we do here on Guys Guys Radio. We've got uh, guests slated right through October and more to come. We're approaching our 500th show. I can't wait for that. But in the meantime, we've got a lot of great guests all scheduled, all ready to go. And let's get after it next week and the following week and the following week. And we just keep going here on Guys Guys Radio. We're like the little train that could. So thanks for your support. Thank you to my guests. Thank you to Chris, my producer. Thank you most of all to my listeners and supporters. And we're going to see you next week. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>